Evangelization, new human beings, new culture. A keynote address at the Colloquium on Evangelization, Christ's Mission for a New Human and Cultural Order in Iboland and Beyond, organized in honor of Archbishop Anthony J. V. Obinnau for Wery, today the 27th of October, 2021. In one of the sessions during the last plenary meeting of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Nigeria, CBCN, held in Enugu in August this year, Bishop Anthony Okonkwobuji, the Emeritus Bishop of Enugu Diocese, who will be 90 next tomorrow, 29th October, thread the bishops, especially the younger ones, with a captivating report on the work he had done for 34 years on the new era of evangelization at the behest of the conference. The report was accompanied by several books, including five authored by Bishop Buji himself. During the short break after the report, while many were expressing admiration and awe at the mental alertness and productive intellectual capacity of the old bishop, my friend and brother, Bishop Matthew Hassan Kuka of Sokoto, said to me, Kai, I can imagine Archbishop Obinna when he retires. The change from Bishop Buji to Archbishop Obinna was so sudden that, for a moment, I was lost. Bishop Kuka probably read it in my face, as he quickly added, With the burden of his office as Archbishop and Metropolitan of Oware Province, that man has continued to read and to write. It is simply amazing. I can imagine how productively he will invest his time in retirement. And Kuka was right. Archbishop Anthony Obinna seems to be able to read practically anything and everything he comes across, and, even after 75, will stay up all night to write down his thoughts. May I use this opportunity to salute the Bujis, the Obinas, the Kukas. Yes, for Kuka belongs to that group. All those busy prelates who have not allowed suffocating pastoral programs to snuff out the flame of their intellectual activity and literary productiveness. Their lives continue to inspire and to challenge me, and, I believe, all those like me who seem to have been overwhelmed by the pressure of work. They remind me that writing is an essential part of the ministry of a bishop, that being busy is not an excuse. After all, we cannot today claim to be busier than the Bishop of Hippo, St. Augustine, and our times cannot be more troubled than his was. With all the opportunities that development and modern technology offer us, we only need to organize our time better. Archbishop Obina's life, like St. Paul's, is a life that is being poured out like a libation. He has complete, competed and is still competing well. He has kept the faith and the crown of righteousness awaits him. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8 This has been well documented in the monumental three-volume work, Amarachi, Book 1, The Mystery of Grace. Book 2, The Marvels of Grace, and Book 3, The Might of Grace, edited by Michael Richmond Duru, to mark the Silver Jubilee celebration of the Episcopal ordination of Amarachi Obinna, Anthony J.V. Obinna.
The 97 rich contributions to these volumes, not counting the final chapter in Book 3, offer ample materials for reflections and discussions in workshops, seminars, and colloquiums for many years to come. Why then, one may ask, would one organize yet another colloquium in honor of Obina barely two years after their publication? There is a famous book on the city of Rome written by Silvio Negro titled Roma non basta una vita per conoscerla. Rome, one lifetime is not enough to know it. Just as one lifetime is not sufficient to know the eternal city well, so one publication, however ambitious it may be, cannot exhaust the pastoral challenges and intellectual provocations that the life and works of Anthony Obina elicit. I therefore thank the organizers of this colloquium for their noble initiative and for inviting me to the intellectual banquet. I'm particularly grateful to noble lady Professor Viola Ongulere, who insisted that I be part of this. 2. Evangelization for a formative encounter with Christ, a transformative encounter with Christ. The mission of the church and all and of all her members is to present the gospel, the good news, evangelium, evangelion of God's saving love revealed in Jesus Christ to the entire humanity. Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark chapter 16 verses 15 and 16. Everything that the church does, her preaching, her celebrations, her interventions in the life of individuals and the society, everything and everyone belonging to her, lay faithful, ministers, institutions, structures, all are meant to bear witness in every generation and to the ends of the earth that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 16. By believing, that is, accepting the gospel of Christ, and being baptized, that is, being incorporated into Christ, we are regenerated, that means born again, conferred, John chapter 3 verses 3 to 5, and we are conferred with a new dignity as God's adopted children in Christ. In Christ is the fullness, pleroma, of the Godhead, Colossians 2.9, and through him the image of God which human beings bear, Genesis 1.27, but which was disfigured by sin, is restored. The grace of baptism thus enables us to live and love as God's children, persons who in Christ and with him call God affectionately and without fear, Abba, Father. Romans 5.8.15 and Galatians 4.6 Baptism is, therefore, not just the sacrament by which we are cleansed of original sin and all personal sins. It is also the sacra sacrament that makes us one with Christ as our brother and with one another as brothers and sisters. Evangelization thus leads human beings to the gateway of a new life in God. I am sure that all those in this audience are by now very familiar with the technical terms which Amarachi Ubina has frequently used in presenting this teaching to his flock. 
from the Latin filius, son, filia, daughter, and the English derivative filiation, Archbishop Obina has derived several other theological terms, refiliation, confiliation, reconfiliation, unifiliation, and cofiliation, all of them describing the various ways in which we are related to God through his son, filius, and to one another. The primary and underived filiation is that of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who is of one divine nature with the Father. Our own filiation, our being children of God, is not natural, but derived through our intimate relationship with Christ in baptism. And the incarnation, the only begotten Son, came to share in our nature as human beings. This Obina regards as Christ's filiation among us in time through the Virgin Mary. Through him and through this filiation in time, we can now become adopted children of God, God the Father. Given that we share this filiation with Christ and with all those who have become God's children by adoption, it is a confiliation. And when this filiation is seen as uniting all of God's children as one family, it is a unifiliation. Since our filiation in Christ is a restoration of a status that was lost through original sin, it is also a refiliation. The same can be said of reconfiliation. I hope Amarachi will give me pass mark for my interpretation of these terms. It is pertinent to note that the filiation which takes place when we are baptized can never be lost. So, there is no space in Archbishop Obina's terminologies for defiliation. This is because once we have been filiated, we cannot be defiliated. The sacrament of baptism confers an indelible character. This becomes a source of hope for every Christian in whatever condition she or he may be. The concepts of confiliation and unifiliation are particularly dear to me. For in a world marked by absurd divisions and discriminations, it is often forgotten that persons who are children of the same father are brothers and sisters. Such an elementary truth is not present in the consciousness of many Christians who, with all the other Christians, call God Father, yet they treat one another as complete strangers and outcasts. On this point, I find myself striking the same note on the keyboard with Amarachi, using similar arguments to show Igbo Christians that they cannot be truly Christian and still uphold the very antithesis of Christianity in the cultural caste systems of Diala, Usu, Uhu, Amadi, Ume. But on this matter, unfortunately, many Igbo Christians have stubbornly chosen to remain deaf, dumb, and blind. 3. Unyadezika Odebo One who is no longer the way he or she was or used to be. New creature, new culture. We know that proverb runs through Unyadezika Odebo Anayeme Konemebu The story is told of how St. Augustine, after his conversion, was approached by his former mistress. When he saw her, he started running in the opposite direction. 
The lady, in desperation, ran after him, and with a tone of great familiarity called out to him, Augustine, it's me, it's me. And Augustine, running even faster, was said to have called back over his shoulder, Yes, I know, but it is not me. It's not me. The mistress had remained the same, and since she had remained the same, she thought she could continue her former relationship with Augustine. But Augustine had changed. In baptism, he had become now new a new person. The old Augustine had been buried with Christ at baptism, and in, it, in his place, a new Augustine was living, or rather, not Augustine, but Christ living in him. Confer Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. For whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. The radical transformation which baptism brings about in us is expected to be seen in our new way of life. New way of relating with God, with our neighbors, and with the world around us. It does not make sense that we claim to have become new creatures, new persons in Christ through baptism, while our life is still the same with that of those who have not received the gospel of Christ and are not baptized. As our people say, Among other things, Culture is the sum total of a people's response to challenges and problems, to the challenges and problems they encounter in day-to-day -day living, handed over or handed down from one generation to another. Culture is basically a human creation, heavily influenced by religious beliefs. It has always bothered me that after more than a hundred years of Christianity in Igbo land, and with an overwhelming majority of Igbo people professing Christianity, the religious substructure of Igbo culture has remained the traditional religion of our ancestors. Why has Christianity been unable to create a new Igbo culture inspired by the gospel values? Could it really be that our people have not been truly evangelized? That the Christian faith has not really been accepted by our people? As Pope St. John Paul II once remarked, a faith that does not become culture is a faith not fully, fully accepted, not entirely thought out, not faithfully lived. Our churches may be full, and our cathedrals may be imposing, but our culture does not yet show that there are many Christians in Igbo land. It is also worrisome that in the name of enculturation, some fundamental aspects of Christian belief and rituals are being diluted in a sort of customized Christianity for Christians with Igbo traditional religious background. For instance, it is a basic truth of our religion that God is love, 1 John 4, 7 and 16. And because of this, the fundamental principle of Christianity is love. Love of God and of neighbor, including the enemy. There are many biblical references. But 
Among many Igbo Christian groups today, the fear of evil spirits, hatred of the enemy, and the desire for vengeance have displaced the love of God and of neighbor. Many Igbo Christians today do not know that the fire of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, which we invoke upon ourselves on a regular basis, is the fire of love, not of hate and punishment. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. If they knew this, I wonder whether they would still be sending Holy Ghost fire to their enemies, real or imagined. In the same vein, one would have expected devotion to angels, especially our guardian angels, to have spread rapidly and widely in a culture where the fear of evil spirits is felt, even inside Christian places of worship. Other examples include the magical and manipulative attitude to prayer and worship, and the way in which Christian sacramentals have become modernized versions of charms and amulets of our forefathers. All these and more I regard as inverse enculturation. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Amen, I say to you. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but do not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Matthew chapter 13 verses 16 and 17. When some contemporary Hebrew Christians cite the culture of our forefathers as the only reason for holding on to some obnoxious practices, they forget that our forefathers formulated their collective responses on the basis of what they saw and heard, as well as their religious experience as at that time. Had they had the privilege we have of the encounter with the gospel, they would have responded differently. The brief encounter they had made them introduce their children and grandchildren to the Christian religion and the modern education that it offers. I often think that our forefathers would be the first to condemn the present generation's irrational clinging to some unhealthy cultural practices. They would be disappointed that we are still applying their answers or solutions to problems which we no longer have. Igbo Christians, as new creatures in Christ, ought to be able to create a new Igbo culture inspired by gospel values. This process will equally enable some Igbo cultural values to be assumed as Christian values. And given that the gospel values are universal values, a new Igbo Christian culture will find resonance among the larger human family. Could this be what Obina means by reticulturation? Reticulturation, that is rightful culturation. Four, not yet time to rest. Whether seen as enculturation or as reticulturation, it ought to be emphasized that no culture encounters the gospel and remains the same. Christianity is, to a great extent and in a positive sense, revolutionary. Christian values prune and reshape, inform and transform, sift and reorder, enlarge and enrich, purify and elevate, 
many of the cultural values of the peoples who receive Christianity, fortifying, completing, and restoring them in Christ. At present, Igbo culture is going through a serious crisis. While on the one hand, modernity has eroded some of its higher values, for instance, the sacredness of life, respect for elders, community and communitarian spirit, fellow feeling, egalitarian republicanism, respect for, the, for other people's opinion. On the other hand, a superficial acceptance of Christianity has not permitted the gospel to purify and enhance our culture. Thus, the culture of death is now replacing the culture of life. Fear and intimidation have taken the place of boldness and dialogue. Political banditry is now where heroic service of the community used to be. Hoarding has displaced sharing. One just needs to think of what Emayo Bara, the governor of Eastern Region, did in six years in the entire region and compare it with what more than nine governors are now doing in the same region and have done for several years. Iboland is today in dire need of a new human and cultural order. Now, more than ever before, the church in Iboland has to respond to the call for a new evangelization made in 1982 by Pope John Paul II. Evangelization new in zeal, new in expression, and new in method. The same Pope, writing about the mission of the Universal Church, says, the mission of Christ the Redeemer, which is entrusted to the church, is still very far from completion. An overall view of the human race, here read Iboland, shows that this mission is still only beginning and we must commit ourselves wholeheartedly to its service. Redemptoris Missio, number one. What is this mission? Preaching the gospel of Christ? Evangelization. The very reason for the existence of the church is to make sure that the gospel is preached to all till the end of time. Hence, the church is said to be missionary by her very nature. To stop preaching the gospel, to stop evangelizing, is to cease to be church. The temptation is often there among local churches to focus on the maintenance of our structures and institutions, especially when numbers give the false impression of well-being. The quality or intensity of her missionary activity, therefore, rather than statistics and the efficiency of her structures, in my opinion, should be the proper index for measuring the condition of health of the church in Iboland. The current surge in neo-paganism and ungrateful attacks on the church by some Igbo cultural revivalists, should encourage the church to reinvent herself in the light of the emerging social societal challenges, especially the phenomena of globalization and digital revolution. It may all be too easy for some class of Igbo cultural enthusiasts to heap all the blame for the way things are in Igbo land on the Christian missionaries and the Christian churches. But such critics at least have the churches and their missionaries to thank for having provided them with the tools that, they now, that now permit them to attack Christianity. 
it will be sufficient for such persons to think of where we all could have been today had our land and culture not had any contact with and influence from Christianity and Christians. It is often forgotten by liberal secularist thinkers that the universalization of such principles as the basic dignity and equality of every human being, including the enemy, the sinner, and the criminal, the defense of the weakest in the society, such as twins, widows, strangers, the poor, all this was the result of centuries of Christian missionary activities and purification of cultures. Of course, many Christians, including Christian missionaries, committed many crimes against the local populations to which they, they brought the gospel, the good news. But that is only a proof that no human being and no culture is completely evangelized. All are still in constant need of the new life that the gospel of Christ offers. Besides, if one thinks of the experiences of people throughout the world and throughout, the hist throughout history in the hands of non-Christian colonizers, for instance, including the Romans, the Arabs, and the, and the other Asians, African kingdoms and empires, one would admit that Christianity has always played a moderating role in the tendency of humans to dominate and oppress fellow human beings. Why is it that in the world today, most refugees and immigrants are heading towards Christian countries and not towards Arab, Islamic, Hindu, and Buddhist countries? We should know the answer. Christianity makes a difference in cultures. Igbo persons who think that Christianity harmed Igbo land should ask themselves questions about the historical source of the social advantage which southern Nigeria now has over northern Nigeria. Was it not because of the deliberate colonial policy of limiting Christian missionary activities in the north, ensuring that Christian missionaries would not penetrate the hinterlands of the northern region? No doubt that we have to take seriously the mistakes of Christian missionaries and the churches in Iboland, both in the past and at present, and have to do all that we can to correct and avoid repeating them. But at the same time, we have to concentrate on the enormous positive force that the gospel is in our lives and think of how best to apply that force to the task of regenerating our society and our culture. In his nearly 50 years as a priest and over 28 years as a bishop, Anthony Obina has labored tirelessly to bring as many people as possible to encounter the saving gospel of Christ, so as to usher in a new humanity and a new human culture. He has used the pulpit, the classroom, his pen, all his money, his tears, personal encounters, name it, to spread the gospel. Aware of the importance of language, both for culture and for evangelization, Archbishop Obina instituted in 1996, barely three years as a bishop, the now famous Odenibo Lecture, which has offered many renowned Igbo scholars the opportunity to think, write, and teach in Igbo thus providing the opportunity not only for the conservation 
of the Igbo language, but also for its enhancement and purification. Anyone who knows Obina enough knows that his promotion of the Igbo language, far from being an expression of ethnic chauvinism, is rather a project of evangelization of the Igbo culture and enculturation of the gospel or recticulturation. It is left to some of his disciples to ensure that this project opens up the Igbo person and Igbo culture to the wider Christian world rather than close them up in a self-referential narcissism. And my conclusion. While acknowledging and commending the efforts made by the church to create a new cultural order in Iboland, I believe that the most effective way to do this is to engender new Igbo persons through evangelization. Since culture is a human creation, redeemed human beings will create a vibrant, healthy culture. I would therefore like to end this keynote with a familiar story. One rainy Saturday afternoon, a father found himself looking after his children at home while his wife, his wife went shopping. To keep the most restless one busy, he tore a map of the world out of an old magazine, cut it into pieces, and invited him to reassemble it in a jigsaw puzzle. To the father's amazement, the boy presented him with a completed puzzle within a few minutes. How did you do it so quickly? he asked. It was easy, the boy replied. I didn't know what the world should look like, and I just couldn't make any sense out of the lines and dots. Then I noticed part of a man's face on the backside of one of the pieces. So I turned them all over, put the man together, and the world was okay. Let us allow Christ to fix the human being and both the world, as well as our cultures, will be okay. If Archbishop Obinna were to comment on the theme of this colloquium, he would probably formulate the title of his talk thus, Evangelization, Christ's Mission of Filiation, Refiliation, Confiliation, Reconfiliation, Cofiliation, and Unifiliation for the Recticulturation of the Igbo Society and Humanity in general. Well, it will take more than one colloquium to digest the meaning of these original and theologically profound terms. We are therefore only at the beginning of an arduous task. So, I wish all of us buon lavoro. Thank you for listening. <laughs>